0: Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off: In-Depth Conversations in Applied Geophysics. In this special episode, we feature SEG's humanitarian program, Geoscientists Without Borders, or GWB. We highlight Silvio de Angelisi's project to create an international partnership to develop volcano monitoring capacities in Guatemala. This episode is sponsored by TGS. TGS offers a wide range of energy data and insights to meet the industry where it's at and where it's headed. TGS provides scientific data and intelligence to companies active in the energy sector. In addition to a global, extensive, and diverse energy data library, TGS offers specialized services, such as advanced processing and analytics alongside cloud-based data applications and solutions.
1: I've always had this vision that you do science for passion, I do it for passion. I mean, I I won't lie. I sometimes just look at seismograms and just have fun looking at seismograms, uh, which might sound a bit ridiculous to many people. But ultimately, my motivation is that I really want to feel like I'm contributing something that it's useful to somebody.
0: That's Silvio De Angelis, a senior lecturer in geophysics at the University of Liverpool and the principal investigator for a Guatemala-based GWB project. Through the unique funding capabilities of GWB, Silvio was able to combine his enjoyment of science with his ultimate motivation to be useful to others. His project's goal was to help build an effective early warning and volcano monitoring framework in Guatemala and improve the risk mitigation policies in the region. In Guatemala, volcanic hazard is high with over 1.3 million people living within six miles of an erupting volcano and over seven million people living within 19 miles. Most volcanic eruptions do not make the news. Around 50 to 60 eruptions happen every year. And in June 2018, Fuego erupted in Guatemala.
1: 200 deaths, about 200 people missing, 13,000 people displaced. These are terrifying numbers to me. So you have to start considering what happens after an eruption. There's the immediate consequence. People are killed sometimes by these events. But then there's the aftermath. These disasters usually have a quite large impact on development. Many families will lose their homes or they'll lose their livelihoods particularly in rural areas, this is really important. Communities experience loss of jobs and services because infrastructure has been destroyed. Often children cannot attend school or drop out of school in the aftermath of natural disasters. This is particularly true in developing world. Essentially, eruptions and many other disasters, sometimes have the effects of cancelling, just in a matter of few hours, many years of effort and progress on poverty reduction. So these are all issues that need to be really carefully considered, and they highlight why it is important to be prepared and to mitigate the effect of these events.
0: While no one can stop an erupting volcano, the dangers of living near volcanoes are quite real, as Silvio highlighted. So, the question you might be wondering why do people choose to live so close to volcanoes?
1: Volcanoes in general offer opportunities for employment, for farming, agriculture, and they also offer investment opportunities for the private sector. So, if we go into the specifics of the area where we worked, our project was focused on Santa Maria Santiago Volcanic Complex which is one of the three active volcanoes in Guatemala today. In terms of the local community around this volcanic complex, the largest population center is uh, Quetzaltenango with about 200,000 people. Quetzaltenango is a um, sort of mid-sized city uh, where the main industry is production of wheat, cocoa, sugar, maize, fruits and vegetables. Tourism is pretty big uh, as a source of revenue in Quetzaltenango because of the volcanoes. And um, the land on the slopes of the volcano itself, so closer to the active vent, is largely dominated by coffee plantations.
0: So volcanoes bring jobs, tourism, farming, and investment opportunities, major contributions to any community. Volcanoes are one of seven natural hazards that occur in the world. While it is not possible to stop a natural hazard from occurring, There are key things to consider when trying to improve safety and mitigate the risk for the tens of millions of people that live near active volcanoes.
1: There's three main things you have to keep into account. Awareness, preparedness, and early warning and monitoring capacities. So awareness depends on education and outreach, broadly speaking. Preparedness, it's having risk mitigation plans in place. Early warning is mostly dependent on uh, the fact that you have available uh, real-time data and that you know how to use them and our forecasting abilities are still relatively scarce uh, you often hear people going on tv and saying oh we ask the scientists and then the scientists will say well we can't predict anything we can't forecast anything we can just give probabilities that's the reality we're not that good at telling you when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, how long it's going to last, when it's going to be over. We are reasonably good, however, at monitoring things in real time and dispatching early warning. So we can detect early on during the process, if we have the right equipment and the right tools, that something is about to happen. So that, that's important.
0: The right equipment and the right tools. That's exactly what the Geoscientists Without Borders project was designed to do. Bring the right equipment and the right tools to Guatemala. Silvio and GWB have a long history working in Guatemala. GWB funded a successful project in the Pacaya Volcano area of the country, and Silvio has close collaborations with colleagues at the National Institute for Seismology, Volcanology, Meteorology, and Hydrology of Guatemala, a scientific agency of the government. Even with Silvio's close relationships and the right equipment and tools, it doesn't mean that his team will successfully develop an effective early warning system. Building confidence and trust in the warning system throughout the community is essential. But where do you start scientifically in building this
1: trust? One thing is pattern recognition. So think of uh, weather, meteorological weather, for example, forecasts are made based on observation of past patterns and the similarity of the present situation to the past. And another side that's important is you have to be able to f- perform a diagnosis based on known symptoms. This is more like when you go and see a doctor because you're not feeling well. This is true for volcanoes and these two things are, these are tasks that require data available very rapidly, as rapidly as you can, real time or near real time. And they also require a baseline. So you require the knowledge of the history of the place and how it behaves over the longer time scale. As a consequence of this, you increase your ability to forecast or at least to ease your warnings, which means that you also increase the confidence of civil protection authorities to, to talk to the population, to talk to policy managers, to talk to politicians and authorities. So Having that level of confidence, essentially, it allows to implement more effective risk mitigation policies in in the long term. And also, if you're able to communicate with the public as a scientist or as a civil protection authority, you gain, in return, the trust of your population, which is a key element. And this is only achieved when you have data to, to assess the situation.
0: As Silvio mentioned, data plays a major role in improving the safety of communities near volcanoes. Real-time and baseline data are the two building blocks in setting up a rapid response framework. Now, one key part of every GWB team is working closely with students. And like every project, they serve an essential role.
1: In this specific project, the students played two key roles. One was helping with fieldwork. You really can't do this if you don't like being outdoors, if you don't like spending a night sleeping on an active volcano, if you don't have a passion for climbing a mountain. It's it's very difficult. On the other side, help with the actual practical side of development of data processing methods and workflows. So you have really to consider, to be quite honest, that in many situations and projects like this, really without the fresh energy and the passion of the many students that are around us. These things, most of these things, would simply not happen. It does require a level of commitment that's beyond the capabilities of a single person to deal with all of it. So teamwork is essential and enthusiasm from young people is even more essential, I think.
0: Not only did students meaningfully contribute to the project, But the local community played a pivotal role. Without its support Silvio's team, this work would have never succeeded.
1: I really want to stress that none of what we've done would have happened without the help and the support of the local communities, in particular in the areas of Quetzaltenango and El Palmar, which is two places close to the volcano. Locals helped us transporting equipment. They guided us through the more direct and safe routes to the volcano. Uh, security is somewhat of a challenge when working in Guatemala, so it's important to be to go around with people that know where you're going. They could find every legal thing we needed. They always knew who to ask to when we required access to specific sites. It's a contribution that really doesn't have a price tag.
0: So, with the support of the community, the support of the students, and the support of GWB, was Silvio's team able to install real-time monitoring stations to protect the millions of people living near these volcanoes?
1: I can confidently say that Sanseguiso, without this project, probably wouldn't have the seismic network that it has today and that it has had for the last three to four years. So the project really helped to sort of bring all of our previous knowledge to fruition and, and make it happen as a permanent network. At the moment, uh, we have four permanent stations in addition to the one or two that already existed. They're all streamed in real time. And the most important thing is that one of them is in the place where the was never a seismic station which is very close to the active crater this was an incredible effort it's really hard to explain how much effort it is to take a seismic station and make it permanent uh, within a kilometer kilometer and a half of the active vent to something It's something that really needs to be experienced. And I think this only generally happened because of the GWB side. And I'm not just saying this because
0: I'm on this podcast. GWB funding serves a unique purpose to bring practical, beneficial applied geophysics to the world. Through this unique partnership and project with Silvio's team, a real-time seismic network is now in place in Santa Quito. A permanent station is in one of the places where there was never a seismic station before. But Silvio's work is not done. He still has big dreams to help his colleagues and friends in Guatemala.
1: The main issue that you have in Guatemala now is that there's no university course in geophysics, applied geophysics, natural hazards, any of this. So it is very difficult To train a new generation of local scientists that can take on the responsibility of, of pushing this forward. So, what I would like to see is that training in country happens a lot more than it does now. So, in 10 years, what I hope to see is that there's been an evolution in terms of the level of monitoring, but I'm pretty much that's going to happen because I see the way things are going, but also parallel to this. More in country expertise to make sure that this is sustainable. That's not to mean that I don't want to go and work in Guatemala in 10 years' time or, or other Central American countries. It's just that I would like to work with colleagues there rather than have them rely on me to do things. I don't want it to sound pretentious, but often you go to these places and there is a real need to access knowledge because there's it's not available. It's not the skills that are lacking, it's the actual knowledge that is lacking. So that's what I would like to see in five to 10 years' time. Because of
0: his team's work, other countries have taken an interest. Observatories in Ecuador, Italy, and Mexico have reached out to Silvio to learn more about using the acoustic monitoring framework he developed in Guatemala. And Silvio continues to work in the country recently receiving additional grants to install equipment at Fuego, modeled on their installations at Santa Guito. Thanks to his GWB grant, he was also able to train the entire team at the Scientific Agency of the Guatemalan government on skills relevant to volcano and earthquake monitoring, training that would have otherwise not been possible without GWB funding. To learn more about GWB, as well as its connection to the UN Sustainable Development Goals and SEG's strategic pillars, visit seg.org podcast. You can also find the links on the show notes for this episode on your phone. Special thanks to SEG's V Bardwaj for her essential input on this episode. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. Go to the website at seg.org forward slash podcast to find all the episodes and learn how you can subscribe for free directly on your phone. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Ted Becomgen, Jennifer Crockett, Allie McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.